Hello, and welcome to the Vascular Forum podcast. My name is Carlota Fernandez Prendes. And my name is Agla Cavalonita. This month's editor's choice is Comprehensive Literature Review of Radiation Levels During Endovascular Aortic Repair in Catalabs and Operating Theatres, authored by Adrian Hertolt et al. This is one of those really necessary and relevant articles, given the exponential increase of occupational exposure as more and more procedures are shifting from traditional open surgery to more minimally invasive techniques. The increasing knowledge we have regarding the adverse side effects reinforces the need for radiation safety awareness. And this article, aside from increasing our understanding regarding radiation in standard and complex EVAR, also highlights just that. So Carlotta, can you tell us what was the main focus of this article? The author's objective was to report the radiation doses delivered by different imaging systems, mobile C-arms, fixed imaging systems, modern hybrid rooms and mobile flat panels for EVAR, FIVAR and VIVAR, and to discuss the consequences for the daily practice of vascular surgeons. And how did they try to do that? How did they design their study? The authors performed a comprehensive literature review. They searched the Medline and Cochrane databases from 2009 to 2019 using the MeSH terms aortic aneurysm, radiation and humans. Two investigators screened all titles and abstracts, and disagreements were solved by consensus. They included studies in English, which reported data concerning radiation with mobile C-arms, fixed imaging systems, hybrid rooms or mobile flat panels in the operating room. Experimental studies were excluded. How did the authors define their primary and secondary endpoints? The primary endpoint was dose area product or Kerma air product, DAP which is a surrogate measurement for the entire amount of energy delivered to the patient by the team. The secondary endpoints in this study were cumulative air karma, CAK, an estimator of the risk of deterministic effects in skin injuries, as well as doses to the operator and to the staff, measured through dosimeters worn by the main operator or staff at different levels, above or under the lead apron. Did they look at any other data items? Yes. Besides year of publication, study design, number of cases and type of procedures, they looked at the use of fusion imaging and adherence to the as low as reasonably achievable ALARA principle. Okay, so how many studies did the authors find that included all the necessary variables? The authors identified a total of 159 publications, of which 76 were assessed for eligibility. 64 were finally selected, including 58 studies and 6 reviews. In order not to duplicate information, data from the reviews was not processed. 53 studies reported radiation during standard EVAR, 9 with mobile C-arms, 26 with fixed imaging systems, 15 with modern hybrid rooms, and 3 with mobile flat panels. 27 studies reported radiation during complex EVAR, that is, FIVAR and VIVAR, 1 with mobile C-arms, 10 with fixed imaging systems, 15 with modern hybrid rooms, and one study with mobile flat panels. So let's begin with the mobile C-arms. What did the authors find? From the nine included standard EVAR studies with mobile C-arms, the authors found a DAP which ranged from 30, median, to 362, mean, grays per centimeter squared, with slightly higher levels for emergency EVAR. 
One study reported concerning levels of radiation in one arm, but without overstepping the over 500 grays per centimeter squared threshold of international recommendations, after which biological hazard occurrence should be monitored. Only one study reported data on radiation during complex EVAR with a mobile C-arm, with a median DAP of 73 grays per centimeter squared for FIVAR and 169 grays per centimeter squared for BVAR. Okay, so regarding mobile C-arms, no EVAR studies overstepped the 500 gray per square centimeter threshold, and if we compare the median DAP associated to EVAR, FIVAR, and BVAR, FIVAR produced about 2.5 times higher DAP levels than EVAR, and BVAR 6 times higher. The authors went on to look at evidence with fixed imaging systems, correct? In standard EVAR procedures, the mean DAP reported in 18 studies ranged from 78 to 464 grays per centimeter squared, while the mean CAK was between 420 and 2023 milligrays. Occupational exposure was documented for the main operator only in seven studies and only in five for the rest of the staff. At chest level, below protective garments, it was found to be between 4 and 6 microsieverts, rising to 92 microsieverts on the unprotected parts of the legs and reaching 2,105 microsieverts at hand level. In other words, concerning levels of occupational exposure for the unshielded parts of the body. Additionally, 8 of 26 studies reported procedures with a DAP over 500 grays per centimeter squared. Regarding complex EVAR, the lowest mean DAP reported in seven studies was 172 grays per centimeter squared, while the highest was 1,188, with six of the seven studies reporting cases with a DAP over 500 grays per centimeter squared. Occupational exposure under protective garments was between 4 and 21.5 microsieverts. Using fusion imaging and or following the Alara principles, reduce the median DAP for both standard and complex EVAR. Okay, lots of information to process there. The largest number of EVAR studies reporting radiation data was found with fixed imaging systems. In both standard and complex EVAR, the authors found a significant proportion of studies reporting procedures with required over 500 gray square centimeter. 31% of the studies for standard and 86% of the studies for complex EVAR. Something to think about. Next on the list, modern hybrid rooms. How many studies and what outcomes did the authors identify regarding modern hybrid rooms? Regarding standard EVAR, 12 of 15 studies reported DAP ranging from 9 to 182 grays per centimeter squared. No study reported cases exceeding the 500 threshold. Three of the studies evaluated the effect of fusion guidance and the Alara principles, finding an absolute reduction of radiation levels, although only two of the three found this reduction to be statistically significant. Of interest, these three studies had a median DAP lower than 15 grays per centimeter squared. CAK was available in nine studies and reported to be between 70 and 983 milligrays. The 5,000 mg CAK threshold was never crossed in these reports. In contrast, DAP ranged between 39 and 696 grays per centimeter squared for complex EVAR intense studies, with three having a mean DAP per case of over 500 grays per centimeter squared. Similarly, the reported CAK often exceeded the 5 gray threshold. 
Occupational exposure over the lead apron was very low in some reports, ranging between 7 and 17 microsieverts, emphasizing the benefit of radiation protection equipment in these suits. However, three studies with high DAP levels also reported worrisome levels of operator exposure, with a maximum exposure of 2,700 microsieverts in one case. And finally, what did the authors find with mobile flat panels? For standard EVAR, the DAP ranged between 22 and 55 grays per centimeter squared in three reports, with CAK ranging from 139 to 300 milligrays. One study provided dose data in five cases of complex EVAR, with a mean DAP of 109 grays per centimeter squared and a mean CAK of 700 milligrays. According to the authors of this study, these dose levels were significantly lower than in their experience with a fixed imaging system or with a hybrid room. So overall, can we conclude that lower DAP levels for EVAR in FEVAR or BVAR were identified in modern hybrid rooms, while the highest levels were reported in old-generation fixed systems? Yes. Moreover, the lowest reported DAP was more than eight times higher for EVAR and four times higher for FEVAR with fixed C-arms than in hybrid rooms. Additionally, although very few studies were identified reporting outcomes with the latest generation of mobile C-arms equipped with flat panel detectors, they showed promising results, suggesting that recent technologies offer better radiation control. Yes, indeed that seems quite logical. Although we will have to wait until more experience and more teams are working with flat panel detectors to be able to evaluate the full impact and radiation reduction that they offer. Were the authors able to extract good quality data regarding the use of the ALARA principle in fusion technology? Well, there's the team's experience with endovascular and imaging techniques, the number of cases performed annually, the type and length of the procedure, the strict adherence to the ALARA principles, and the use of fusion imaging. These factors are difficult to assess scientifically. Most reported outcomes with fusion technology were associated to a change of imaging equipment or dose protocol settings, so the impact of fusion alone was not really able to be determined. Additionally, adherence to the ALARA principles is a vague notion, one which is very difficult to quantify in a homogeneous and systematic way. Several studies, especially those included FIVAR or BVAR, reported those levels overstepping the threshold of DAP 500 grays per square centimeter, or a CAK 5000 milligray defined by international recommendations, after which biological hazard occurrence should be monitored. Isn't this a little bit worrisome? Yes, it is indeed. And one of the most important take-home messages from this study is the large amounts of radiation exposure that these procedures associate, and the absolute necessity we have to improve radiation safety practices and to achieve the lowest levels of radiation. For young surgeons, this is particularly worrisome, since in contrast to many other vascular surgeons, they have been exposed to significant amounts of radiation since the beginning of their professional career, that is to say, since the age of 24 or 25 in many countries. If the vascular surgery world continues to use angiography as the main system for minimally invasive procedures, this can lead to over 40 years of sustained high levels of exposure. Efforts should be made to define both reporting standards regarding radiation, so that further comparisons of published evidence or local practices can be performed, and international reference levels for endovascular procedures, in order to provide vascular physicians with an idea of what acceptable levels of radiation are. 
and we should also strive, both at the individual and departmental level, to follow the Alara principles, use fusion whenever possible, and get the hospitals to provide us with the most updated protective systems. We encourage you to read the full text paper in the European Journal of Vascular and Endovascular Surgery, Year 2020, Volume 60, Issue 3, pages 374 to 385. Look out for the next Vascular Forum podcast. They're all available in SoundCloud, Spotify, and the EJVS Vascular Forum webpage at ejvsreports.com. We will be back soon with the next Vascular Forum Editor's Choice podcast. Auf Wiedersehen. Hasta la próxima. Talk to you soon.